Today is February 15th, and we have a very special guest for our 1,000th episode. Let's talk Yanks. Take me out to the ball game. John Boyd, Jake. Ryan Cashman. Recaps galore, weekly awards. Airline, screaming hot chicks. Yankees news from these two fine dudes. It's time for Talking Yanks. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Talking Yanks with old John Boy. John Boy and Jake. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks. Thank you very much for joining today. If you enjoy Talking Yanks and you want to subscribe to the channel, that is much appreciated because we're in a race with these other two idiots that have a channel of similar size to ours. My name is Jimmy. His name is Jake. BBD is here. It's brought to you by SeatGeek. And for our thousandth episode, we said there's only one guest kind of worthy of celebrating our 1000th episode. And that was Brian Cashman. So we asked him to come on. He agreed. Very exciting. Some good, some good talk from Yankees to gifts. Uh, excited for you guys to listen to it. We, we dreamed upon it for a little while. Uh, thank you guys. Episode a thousand, crazy number in general. That is uh, neat. that is nuts. Yeah, right. Think about that. So, uh, I mean, we're basically going to get right into it, right? Do we need to preface them with anything else? Um, obviously, this is a uh, he is coming on because he's doing us a solid. Uh, there's no contractual agreement yeah. to come on, so it's not really like uh, we invited him on. He said yes, and then we're just like boom, 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 boom. So all of you like negative people, like <laughs> it's not fully that. But we did ask questions that we want to know the answers to. I think it was yeah. just like a very productive conversation. Yeah, and got good insight. But just Stuff a little, little preface that the people about. are, I hope you fucking roasted him. No, he's like, it's very nice of him to join us. Spring training. Spring he is training. doing us a huge favor. Yeah. DJ DJ question with kind of a funny answer. Yeah, he was like, that, and I, I, a question. And I, <laughs> I asked it, huh. but it was your question. So I felt bad that We're you got team. credit for it, but I was like, it was a good question. We're that was team. one of his questions. It's all good. Hey, this one's for us. Blitzball Battle 4 comes out on the Warehouse Games channel uh, Sunday night debut if you haven't checked it out you're missing out it's incredible go check out the whole i guess season that's about to come out and this brian cashman interview tastefully is brought to you by under 510 the shirt i'm wearing right now under 510 it's made for men under 510 so currently man that's a great slogan this whole show uh, including our guest, it works for them. Uh, and they've got everything. They've got joggers. Basically, our whole wardrobe. Like Wait, if you ever l- watch our vlog or anything. I'll just, like, let, I'll just let the people know. If you're a shorter gentleman like Jake and I, and you haven't worn clothes that are specifically tailored for shorter crazy. gentlemen, the difference is insane. Crazy. The you first time I so put on their better. joggers, I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that's what pants that fit me feel like. This is delightful. So you go check them out. You don't have to roll them up at the bottom? This I'm, is weird. I am 5'10", uh, but my legs are disproportionately small, so I wear under 5'10 pants, including these ones, and I've been getting compliments all day. Got them. That's a read. Um, go to under510.com slash johnboy. Use code BASEBALL24, $10 off your order. Boom. Uh, and you get free shipping on orders over 150 and free returns if you head that way. Click the link in the description, under 510 Wearing their shirt right now. There was a couple times during the interview you might even see me like grinning a little bit. I kind of looked good. Biceps were popping under 510. Uh, so Baseball. Make, make sure you go check it out. Baseball24 under510.com slash John Boy. 
For our thousandth episode, we are joined by a special guest and we think longtime listener, Brian Cashman. How you doing, Brian? Muy bueno. How about you guys? Congrats <laughs> on all your success. Thank, thank you. you very much. Yeah, thank you for joining well, us. Uh, I want you guys to congrats me for all our success at the end of the year. Let's hope we can get there. Okay. We'll bottle that up. We'll save it. Is my mic going in now? Yeah. Okay. That's the plan. Congrats on all your success. 20, 26 or 27 spring training for you as GM of the Yankees? Do you, do you know the number? I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to do the math too. Not our strong suit. Uh, but not, not mine either. That's why our payroll is always so high. Does <laughs> <laughs> so. it start of the feel? Is it feel different going to spring? Like this time of the year does it always feel kind of the same. Is it still rat race of, of deals or, you know, I know you said in the scrum, I did see you did. It's not pencils down. Is it, is it sometimes pencils down now and this is different or is it always the same at this time of year? I feel like this market, this particular uh, market's got a lot slower. Um, so for whatever reason, trade discussions, free agencies kind of leaking in a little bit more into spring trainings, maybe in more recent years. Um, but I just think uh, it, it, it's got the same feel typically, you know, um, you know, but but this spring's a little bit different because obviously I'm not used to coming off of an 82-1 season. Uh, so because of that, yeah, this is a whole new ball game. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got, uh, you know, enough sand kicked in our face, um, you know, and rightfully so for last year and how it went and how it played out. And, you know, for whatever the reasons were, it doesn't matter. And, and so, you know, that bad taste we all want to put behind us as fast as we possibly can. And that means, you know, a better product, a better roster, a better, uh, you know, you know, athlete individually, collectively, all the above, and 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 then you start to dream big time uh, once again. So that's what we're here for. Uh, I'm guessing, judging off you know a lot of the moves and and kind of the conversations at the end of last year, that at your quotes, lefty outfielder was a a big one on the on the priority list going into the off season, and you come away with three new outfielders that are lefties. So does that feel? I feel nice to do that early in the earlier in the offseason and scratch all those off. Probably. I mean, it still felt like it took a long time to get done. I mean, we had so many conversations with San Diego. Uh, I don't think our initial thought process was both Soto and Grisham, but it kind of collapsed together and, and Grisham made too much sense for us. And, and we had simultaneous conversations going on with Verdugo um, where we were trying to leverage uh, that discussion uh, with the Padres, hey, we can go another direction. Also with the Red Sox, hey, we can go in another direction. And then, and then at some point, it kind of popped in. You know, why not just do them all if we can? And uh, you know, because it looked like if the conversations were going the way they were, that we were actually going to have those choices. And so at one point, you know, we felt like, all right, you know, let's just pull down Verdugo, um, and. Uh, and then we'll go from there. And I think the Soto was, was next, obviously, with Grisham. And, and I think it's going to you know benefit us a great deal. I really do. Uh, you, you mentioned last year, and I want to look forward to next year. Like, let's put last year in our rear view and bury it. But I, I guess before we do that, I, I <laughs> do want to know, like, you know, we were in – in August, we heard about the audit, and we've heard more more about that going forward. But I, I guess internally, like, are are there any big takeaways or changes that come from last year, or is it just like, man, things really went in the wrong direction? There was injuries, there was some poor performance, or, or are there what are the learnings from last year? Don't lose games. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so, you know, old. I mean, listen, 
every year you're always trying to, you know, do something improved and, and kind of learn from whatever you just walked through, um, you know, and, uh, and you, you confront your player pool that needs it. You confront your staff, confront yourself, you know, owners are going to confront you. Um, you know, and that's obviously dealing with all the feedback too. You're going to get, you know, uh, that can be ugly from your fans. Um, but yeah, no, there's some adjustments we definitely made. Uh, but I don't know if they, I would say, you know, it would be anything different than what would have taken place. Uh, but obviously with a lot more exclamation points to it because of the 82 win season, um, you know, we certainly, uh, I am not afraid of having heavy lifting conversations with people. I am not afraid of, of uh, constructive criticism coming my way either. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, what we did do is we essentially had those three day meetings in Tampa uh, where we, had some really healthy dialogue. Cause you know, the things that bother me would be what comes through the media uh, in the off the record comments, you know, you know, when things go bad, people all have opinions on a direction, you know, somebody should have went a different way and it's an off the record scout says this or front office person says that, or a coach says this or a player says that that stuff I can't stand. Um, but, you know, but we had to real deal with it. We had to, to kind of try to pick between what was real and what was not. Uh, and that's the real area that I think, um, you know, you really have to be careful with because there's a, once you start having an unexpectedly bad season, um, you know, you don't want to act off of anything that's false, but it's actually playing in the, in the press all the time. That might not be accurate. You want to just focus on what's real. Uh, and then, and then, you know, recognize at times that you could have something you might've done right. And it didn't play out the way you expected, but it wasn't, not the right move and you don't want to, you know, run from making good sound process decisions that, that, you know, you got to understand not everything's going to play out the right way. Will there be any, you said there's some adjustments, but I, you know, even you heard, you heard judge at the end and who knows if he's just having a conversation or I forget the context of it, but he said there's some metrics that he thinks um, should look into that aren't being looked into or uh, focusing on certain numbers over other numbers. Is that, is that does that go into conversations, or is there any like uh, changing the judging results or uh, judging the process? And you don't need to share if there are, but like tangible kind of um, decision making changes for next year that stand out. Uh, yeah, there are certain things that you know what I kind of just generally spoke to. There are certain things that you know. So I know Judge made those comments. So I of course had conversations with Judge after that. You know, hey, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Or, or, or certainly Garrett Cole, who's definitely you know, knee deep in, in all of our processes on the pitching side, especially, I mean, the guy's just, you know, he's a Picasso, you know, uh, an artist uh, of the highest level is craft. And, and, um, and so we've benefited a great deal from, from when he got onboarded with us, you know, years ago. Uh, and so he's uplifted a lot of our uh, platforms, so to speak with his input because he's knee deep in that, but yeah, that player engagement is vitally important to kind of, unpack what they're thinking and then why they're thinking and then and then is it valid what they're thinking you know and then if it's not if you disagree you you know can't be afraid to engage and have full full frontal contact on that where you're like well what you're saying why do you think that and then and if there's some things you can hand check so they have a growth moment too you know and then they have that to die moment you know so it's a lot of give and take but the only way that stuff happens is if you have those type of conversations so we have found higher ground we we were always shooting for that stuff, but I think the way it plays out publicly and what's reality are, are two different things. 
Usually is a lot of times because we're just hearing snippets and trying to figure it all out. You've yeah. been uh, yeah. you've been part of a lot of off seasons and talked to a ton of agents and heard a ton of pitches. When uh, did you hear that same pitch that uh, Otani got with the Dodgers? Like the structure, the deferments, and and when you do hear that type of contract get announced, what's your reaction? Yeah, I mean that's like a once in a lifetime situation. And then I, I felt much better when I've read Andrew Friedman's quotes that said uh, he wouldn't have had the guts to actually present that or propose that as a contract offer. <laughs> he said, you know, that it was actually Otani's idea. And uh, that made a lot more sense to me because, you know, I, I don't know. I was like, how do you even make an offer like that? <clears throat> you know, um, I have sometimes like, you know, uh, gut wrenching, I'm going to float, Put this out on a text about a non-roster invite to somebody that you you don't want to insult anybody, but you also <laughs> you know you know. But I can't imagine how you propose a contract like that with all those deferrals. But but it made sense when he said it came from Otani on, on his end. So no, it wasn't no, nothing presented to me like that. What about never ever in my history? <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I think any any baseball fan kind of had the same reaction. It's actually good to hear that you kind of had the same reaction. Uh, what what about Yamamoto in that process? Because you know we again like we we hold on to anything we get. So I you know I've got the the picture of you at the game. I, I I've got all of it. You know the Yankees front office the way they were acting. They were obviously pretty deep on Yamamoto. I guess like. Give us some of that process, and especially the end that, because um, I don't know, we're, we're we're attached to Jack Curry's tweets always, and it's coming down to tonight, and it might be you guys. So I, I guess give us some insight on on your guys' side of it, if you can. Yeah, the uh, essentially, we felt really good about it. You know, not not um, you know we're we're confident that we did everything we possibly could. We you know we've scouted them forever. Uh, we've sent scouts upon scouts upon scouts on a yearly basis he knew how much we valued him we knew how uh, and he was valued by everybody in the industry over here in the in the u.s market clearly um i thought we built a great relationship with the player and i think he came down to a very difficult decision between us and the dodgers i think unfortunately we're the team that uh, finished second or the bridesmaids in this it, uh, you know that's what i was led to believe by uh, by his agency and and um that we had done everything right but uh, we can't necessarily simulate you know, uh, California, West Coast. And yeah, I think it was a tough, a tight call, a tough call. And I think uh, maybe, and this is me speculating, but maybe Otani presenting the type of contract he did was setting the stage for, for making sure during his personal recruitment, uh, as well as their recruitment, that this was creating an environment that we're making room for you as well. And, um, and so I remember sitting out in Beverly Hills <clears throat> before our meeting with Booney, we're going to go to Casey Wasserman's house. And, and so me, Booney and Blake were, were sitting up on, on the penthouse uh, of the hotel, having lunch, waiting for our slot to go over and make our presentation. And, and it was such a beautiful environment. The weather was perfect. And he had been out there for three weeks training, I think over at UCLA. Uh, and I said, this is what we're competing with right now. You know, <laughs> just this in weather. So then when Otan, uh, when uh, Yamamoto came to New York to visit us, um, you know, uh, it was raining and it was cold <laughs> and, you know, we had a great meeting with him that night at uh, Casey Wasserman's house. We had a great meeting in New York, uh, and everything, all signs looked like, listen, he's really comfortable with us. And, uh, 
Um, but it just didn't work out. Ultimately, in the end of the day, you know, he's got to make a tough decision. I think being a free agent is really difficult. He's coming across the world uh, to a new country and, and, uh, and a lot went into his decision. But I know that, you know, I was really proud of the foot we put forward, uh, but disappointed that ultimately he picked another team. He's a really talented uh, player, uh, uh, really a great pitcher. I think he's going to do well here in the United States. And, and I love the personality too. And, and unfortunately he's a Dodger. And, and the only good thing about that is in the Nash, it's in the national league and not the American league East. Yeah, that is saving grace. When uh, the craziness of Otani and the flight tracking and the Blue Oof. Jays was going on, are are you thinking, oh, shit, this guy's going to be in the division? Or are you, like, keeping up with that craziness at all that happened that one night? No question. You know, um, you know, it's stuff that's out of your control. So you certainly get caught up into that and wonder, all right, well, is he going to land in our division? And um, you know, how that's going to look that, and then you start wondering how that's going to impact other potential moves they could or maybe can't make now with that type of financial commitment before you heard about this deferral stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I follow that without a doubt, follow everything that's going to potentially impact us. And, and, then uh, so, you know, ultimately he's, he's going to be a Dodger and, and, uh, so, you know, obviously another great player, um, you know, they're cornering the market right now on, on, uh, on players coming over from Japan. So hopefully we can change that over the course of time. We've had some great Japanese players here play for us, and, uh, as you know, with the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Guys we're real proud of. When uh, when that happens, is it a pivot to Stroman, or was Stroman conversations already kind of happening and in place and uh, going on? Yeah, we started with Stroman back in November. Uh, obviously, everything was being held off on because of Yamamoto, and then we quickly were able to then – you know, finish something off with, uh, with Marcus. And so, uh, you know, obviously Brody and I met, uh, sat down together, uh, uh, at the GM meetings and then we stayed heavily in contact. He lives probably three miles away from me in Connecticut, uh, and, uh, meeting Brody Van Wagenen. And, uh, and so we've stayed in touch every step of the way and then eventually closed things out down here in Tampa because Marcus lives here in Tampa. So it was, a great fit in a lot of ways uh, and someone that was a target of ours as we entered the marketplace. Uh, and uh, thankfully, you know, he was still on the board, obviously, uh, you know, once Yamamoto made his decision, that played out a lot longer than we expected it to play out that decision. And it was wrapping up a lot of the money, you know, uh, that it probably the whole industry had, I think it held up the whole free agent market. And, and this is a genuine question. If this comes off as dumb, that's just kind of who I am, but I, <laughs> this is like a four part, of me trying to shadow you for a day. There's, there is rumors out, or I guess not rumors, but you guys offered to Snell. And I think it's still technically the only offer he received. Like a genuine question. Like what hat does he decline? Does the offer like stay out there or like what, what is that process? Well, you, I, I would say is, you know, it's not like you do official offer sheets and you write them up in sure. writing and you fire them off in a, in a fax or an email and, you know, just have conversations with with agents in the marketplace about their players and and you know what are you thinking you know what's uh what's your floor look like you know uh, what are you trying to obtain and then and then this is what i'm thinking or this is what we're thinking and you float some weather balloons that way and, and see how the, the responses come back and and then uh and then if you feel like you're within range then you can get more serious um and so we definitely had a lot of conversations with with uh, Scott Boris uh, regarding his pitching um, and uh, you know, obviously Blake being one of them and, and Jordan Montgomery being another one. And, um, but ultimately, you know, 
it didn't lead anywhere at, at, at any of those times. So, uh, you know, obviously that was it. So nothing more to add. Cool. Let's get into these Yankees, Jim. Yeah. I, you know, I, going back, I don't know how like some of the, some of the reports about all offers that were made or, uh, um, you know, that type of stuff. Uh, I wouldn't always follow that as being accurate either. Okay. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying we didn't make an offer. I'm not, but, but like the, the specificity, which I had trouble saying right now for some reason, um, of what was presented publicly wasn't necessarily accurate. Um, but, but a lot of dialogue is a lot of dancing around what, what could you consider? What would you consider? What wouldn't you consider? And then us sharing what we wouldn't consider based on their responses too. And that's typically the dance you have with the agents. Is most trade conversations these days text messages? Yeah, that's that's become it's it's better to insult people via text than it is, uh, or it's easier to insult them on a text thread than it is uh, on the phone. So that's the best way to start out the dialogue. Do any GMs uh, like delete old texts or stuff, or like you know <laughs> send it in invisible ink? No, I'm not the invisible ink, but I'm a big gift guy. So okay. Like, I'll definitely send uh, like a puking gift back, <laughs> stuff like that, or or a you know a cow taking a, a you know what in the pasture gets the point across nice response, and easy. I like yeah, in that. response to some some overtures coming my way, which I don't like. So oh, that's pretty good. Uh, all right, yes. Looking at the Yankees now, one quick question we had: Is this the is this um, the first spring training where where DJ's coming in as everyday third baseman? And is that like a conversation? Is that true? And then if if so, is that a conversation that's had? Does he just kind of know, or is that not true? Is he still utility? Bring all your gloves, DJ. That's a good question. I like. I just feel like you know, in my mind, he's penciled in over at third. You know, unless injuries hit, and then you know, he, like, so if Rizzo goes down, he can swing over to first. If Flavor goes down, he can swing over to second. You know, uh, uh, so I know when we signed him, we had, you know, whoever we had, you know, all over, and he was going to get everyday reps. We just didn't know what, you know, the only day he didn't play was the opening day, which kind of sucked for uh, for him because he was a better player than that. But uh, but we had just come off of getting knocked out of the ALCS, and so when he wanted to honor, you know, the guys that had been there, understandably so. So that conversation wasn't fun, but ultimately, you know, the value that he does bring is that he is a really gifted player when he's uh, firing on all cylinders. So uh, yeah, I'd expect him every day over third and, and then be ready to, to pivot if needed based on how the roster uh, adjusts because of injuries at some point. And the guy, the guy next to him, Volpe, he, he puts together a rookie year. He gets the gold glove and we, you see the talent, you, you see the homers, you see the stolen bases. Some, a lot of the offensive stats from the fan perspective ended up a little lower than I think we were hoping. But again, Yankee fans and expectations, sometimes we could come in a little high. I, I guess on your guys' end and player development-wise, do you is there anything like, hey, we want you to work on this, this, and this? Or is it still like letting him evolve as a young player? And then I guess where do you guys get involved player development-wise? Oh yeah. He's not a finished product. No doubt about right. that. And so, yeah, he's got some objectives that we got him working on and he knows what, you know, the, you know, he knows what his strengths are. He knows the areas of weaknesses that they're, they're trying to, uh, to find the higher ground with. And, and, uh, you know, I, there's definitely a higher level to him on, especially in the offensive side. And I think he'll reach that, um, you know, but obviously proof will be in the pudding, but his kid is wired, right. As you all know, already know, um, he's worked his tail off once again, no, no surprise, um, so I'm going to be excited to see, you know, what he can do for us. Obviously it'd be great to have 
you know, uh, whatever the percentage increase in his offensive capabilities are uh, as he reaches that ceiling that he possesses, if he could, if he can close the gap on a lot of those things uh, in the 24 season for us, that'll be a huge lift because I think the offense has a chance to be really good. It should be really good, but it could be really extremely uh, improved if uh, someone like him at the back end is, is uh, starting to approach the ceiling he possesses because he's got a high ceiling. Uh, on the on the rotation, I just have uh, on the depth of the rotation. If a pitcher goes down, do you guys have in mind six starter Luke Weaver because he's on the twenty six man, or you know, is there is there some prospects that we should say lessen our excitement? Like they need to go develop more in AAA, or like where do we stand on six seven starter that you know undoubtedly you're going to get into at some point in the season? Definitely. Definitely excited. You know, I'm glad we got Luke Weaver back. You know, uh, it took a while. We were talking to him all winter, but, you know, had to work financially the way we thought it should. And uh, ultimately, he had to see what the market bared out, I guess. And so I'm glad we got him back. And as, as you know, so he's going he's gonna to get started reps in the spring. He's definitely uh, competing or, you know, going to be that get sixth guy waiting there. If not, he collapses into the pen. He's not obviously doesn't have options. He can't go down or anything of that nature. Um, and so, if in the, in the event he goes to the pen as the season starts to play out over the course of April into May, then, you know, you're going to start losing his length, which obviously that changes the animal there. Then it becomes, you know, that, you know, kind of long man out of the pen that you use, you know, for anywhere for 60 pitches or whatever, but he's not going to be able to give you that starter length <clears throat> at some point in the season, if everybody stays healthy. So then the alternatives got to be waiting in the wings, you know, obviously we, we think Warren, uh, is is you know ready to contribute here at the big league level as a starter. You know we have you know today the first live was Luis Hill uh, coming back from Tommy John. So you know our our fans know that they saw a taste of his capabilities. So he's someone that you know potentially could be a a player in, in the rotation. You know uh, probably a little later. He's healthy right now. So uh, but I would think that you know. Uh, we give him some reps to knock the rust off first and foremost. You got Clayton Beater. Uh, you also have, uh, you know, Chase Hampton that, you know, is a little behind those guys, but in terms of talent, you know, his ceiling might be the highest of them all. Um, so th- that's the taste of a few. And then you got, you know, uh, you know, a few guys that we've imported uh, that we're going to get a, a, bit, a little bit of a learning curve on, um, you know, that also compete, you know, the kid from Kansas city <clears throat> that we signed to Keith, I think it is. Um, uh, he's someone I think that uh, that might take a shot at a lot of these things too. So, so a few of these guys, I think um, you know, Matt Blake will get his hands on, and then we'll get a better feel for what we got. We've seen you bring guys to camp that have been out of baseball for a little bit. You had Litke, and then he comes. He pit, he's on the roster for two years straight. Doesn't miss a day. Uh, does a great job in his role. Last year, Hamilton gets the invite, breaks camp with the team. Is there a guy that we need on our radar right now that you've like, you know, secretly scouted? You like some data? You think he might be the next guy to do that? No, I'm always the uh, pessimist. So, like, our, you know, our pro scouts and our analysts bring up guys all the time that we bring as in our eyes, and uh, then I'm like, I want to wait and see it myself. And even when Booney's like, "Hey, I like I saw this guy throw just now. He looks pretty good, or or it could be a hitter," you know, and. Um, but until I start seeing it play out in games later in camp, that's, you know, probably the last two weeks of camp. That's when I start to feel like then you lock in a little bit. This might be real. 
Um, because everybody gets excited about a lot of things early. Everybody looks like they're in great shape. Everybody, you know, uh, is talking about how it's, it's already happening. And I'm not saying it's not real because I, I can honestly tell you, our guys look like they really worked their tail off and, and we're thankful for that. Uh, but I'm also not the one that would sugarcoat it. If, if they weren't working their tail off, I wouldn't say it. Um, but I do know that everybody who watches pens and everybody watches, everybody looks so good all the time. And, and that that's noise for me. I want to wait and see how it plays out when the games start and, and what it looks like when I'm sitting behind home plate. And, and then, uh, then I start to, I'm one of the last ones to get on board with it. Uh, Cause I want to give it more time. So I'm not going to give you a name. Okay. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so. Every season has a little bit of a different flavor to it, obviously. And coming off of last year. And the other thing I, uh, Jim kind of noticed this first was that, this 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 year specifically, there's a lot of one year guys on there. I mean, Soto, Doogie, Glaber on the last year of their contract. Most of the bullpen, like, does does that change? I, obviously, not sense of urgency because New York, it's always urgent. But ha, does that change your outlook at all? Like, it, normally on our end, it feels like we see these kind of two three year windows, but this year specifically feels like, you know, we got a, a third of the squad is on on the last year of their deal. Yeah, no, I mean. I- listen, we need to win. We need to win now and we need to win this year. And, uh, you know, this window on some of this stuff is closing, you know, and uh, not not for the guys like Cole or, or Judge, but some of the other guys here. I remember, you know, when we had – I remember many a times having conversations that, you know, there's there can be no woulda, coulda, shouldas. Um, you know, that, you know, you got – this is – our time is here and now uh, to our players, to our staff, to our front office – take advantage of what is in front of us right now because no one's promised tomorrow. And, you know, we import guys, uh, you know, they want to get paid if they're free agents clearly. So that's, you know, you check that box, but a lot of them who want to come here, they want to come here because they want a chance to compete for a title. They want to win a championship. Gary Cole, Gary Cole came here to win a world series title, right? And it would be a crime if he doesn't do that while he's here or judge or, Marcus Stroman or any of these other guys. And so it's to me, anytime a guy walks out of the door here that played here for a period of time, one, two, three, four years, it didn't have a chance to compete for a world series title and chance to win it, uh, take a shot at winning it and actually have one on their finger, I think is, is, is criminal. So ultimately at the end of the day, that that's something we try to want to make everybody take advantage of It's like, Time is now, and so to your point, yeah, we got a lot of guys on one-year deal. Soto, for instance, is here. It's a one-year situation. We may not be able to retain him. He's got free agency. He's got the agent that usually takes players of free agency on their walk years. So let's take advantage of, you know, understand the reality of that. At the end of the day, don't run from it. Didn't make me not trade for him. Didn't make us not trade for him. We brought him here to help us win a championship. And so we want to put a nice NY, uh, you know, ring on his finger with all his teammates if we can. Uh, while he's here and then if we have a chance to keep longer so be it but in the meantime the time is now i think that's a great place to to end it and thank you very much for joining us i appreciate it i guess i have one more quick question how do you feel about the new away uniforms i'm fine with it i mean it's just a little bit of adjustment no big deal so uh you know i know it came yeah i know you guys know how it came from it came from playing that game in iowa but what do you guys think i actually kind of i don't mind it i I'm excited because it looks like the old school one. So I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how much my brain is like, this is different. You know, one year you changed the helmets from matte black to like glossy. And I couldn't tell what was different, but something was different. Or the other. It's so minor that I like, it's not a big change. So it's not, 
probably worth the, the conversation too much on it, but I know it created a lot of noise. Yankees making changes to the uniform and stuff like that, but they're just taking the white off the, the background of the NY and on the road grays, right? Yeah. We always just say, like, wow, look at this, because everybody else freaks out, and we're kind of, like, not like that with jerseys, so I, we don't know. Yeah, so all good. All right. As long as we win in them, that's all that matters. Boom. All right, thank um, you very much for joining us. I appreciate it a whole bunch. Take care. Thanks, Cash. Baseball. And there you have it. GM of the Yankees, Brian Cashman. Some funny stuff in that conversation. Uh, some good insights. Like him right away saying they used they were using Verdugo as leverage for Soto yeah. or Soto as leverage for Verdugo. Uh, I was like, oh, like you are going to tell right? us some stuff that maybe you don't just say everywhere, unless you said that and I'm mistaken. But that it's was cool. Place. Oh, and then and then be like, ah, we'll just get both of them. And I... Finding out, like, Otani didn't go around everyone with that offer. Like, he was a little more calculated. I think everyone knew it was calculated, but you wondered. We wondered, like, you know. Yeah, you know, you hear that the, that offer, they pitched it to, they said he pitched it to the Blue Jays, too. I thought I heard that. So I just assumed he pitched it, you know, around. Yeah. But him being like, I would never even thought that. Or saying that uh, sometimes he invites the guys a non-roster in a team, like, doesn't want to hurt their feelings. That's I'm, so funny. The text message <laughs> stuff is good. Like, tre- te- text Trev. Kind of had that question a long time. It's easier to just text, you know, a silly gif. I can con- confirm. He's a te- he's a gif texter. <laughs> so am I a little bit. Short kings. Um, hey, I think we got re- we got to get Jimbo out of here. He's got to catch his train. Thank you to everyone. Episode one thousand. Like we one said. time, I texted him, enjoy the holidays, and he he re- he responded with this this gif. That's all. Santa clapping. Santa clapping, saying "Holiday spirit activate." <laughs> oh my god, that's, that's, a, that's a good gift. I understood. He loves <laughs> gifts. He does. Booney kind of likes them too. It's just easier. Comment, review, all the good stuff. Thank you guys. We're super appreciative. Let's go win the World Series. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees. I'm all about the message of trying to win the World Series in the end. Love you, Brian Hoke. Oh, shout out. Valentine's Day. Ooh.